is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar Dave. is a special presentation of the Cigar Dave Show. America at war with the Chinese virus. With the latest intel, here's the Global General, Cigar Dave. We will get to alpha male pleasure maneuvers during this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. We will talk cigars second hour in our Cigar Masters series with Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars. We'll spend the entire hour with him. It is World Whiskey Day. You probably didn't know that. But there's a reason that I'm the foremost authority on alpha male lifestyle maneuvers and alpha male pleasure, including spirits. So today for World Whiskey Day, we will celebrate with three fantastic different world whiskeys. We will get to some cigar-related information later this hour, some big news about the Premium Cigar Association Convention and also Imperial Tobacco Selling Altadas and the Worldwide Altadas operations, we will get to that. But I do want to spend time talking about the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. And I want to talk about the great universal genius, renaissance man, Dr. Leonardo da Fauci. It's a Dr. da Fauci. No, he's not Leonardo da Vinci or Leonardo DiCaprio, but we will get to Dr. Anthony Fauci in a bit. But first, as always, I extend to you my long ash. Greetings and salutations, a long ash, snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again, again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the Chinese Communist Party. As always, your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief from Command Center Alpha. Don't forget, go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand side. Follow me on all the various social media platforms, including Twitter and Facebook. All right. Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's a Dr. Fauci. I don't know why I want to talk like this. I want to talk about Dr. Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, I realize it is sacrosanct. It is cause for immediate arrest and imprisonment if you even hint at criticizing the great Dr. Anthony Fauci, or as I like to call him, Dr. Leonardo de Fauci, the great universal genius and renaissance man. And as you know, for the last several, probably six weeks, seven weeks, President Trump, other physicians have been touting the health benefits in combating the Chinese Wuhan virus using chloroquine or its tamer, newer sibling, hydroxychloroquine. And as we have discovered, doctors have found not only here in the United States, but in the rest of the world that have been using a special cocktail of hydroxychloroquine zinc, and azithromycin to treat the CCP Wuhan virus. But the key is getting it early on. Many doctors 
have been saying that before testing was readily available and there was a five, six, seven, eight-day lag to get test results, that if a patient came to them showing clinical symptoms of the CCP Wuhan virus, they would not wait for the test results. They would administer a cocktail of three drugs, the hydroxychloroquine, the zinc, the hydroxychloroquine, they said, opened up the path inside the CCP Wuhan virus. The zinc gets in, it kills it. And then the azithromycin to prevent any secondary bacterial infection in the lungs. And to much success, it has received much success, much acclaim. Of course, why do the Libstream media, why do the biased fake news Libstream media have a hard on against it? Well, because President Trump was the one that suggested it. He heard that there were various doctors using it, heard it's being used around the world, and said, let's give it a try. And everybody derided President Trump. There's no scientific basis. There's no medical evidence. Dr. Leonardo de Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm, every time I say Dr. Fauci, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk like he's a Dr. Fauci, like I'm in Italy. Dr. Fauci, the great universal genius Renaissance man. Dr. Fauci said there is no evidence, there's no scientific evidence. As he has said, I am a scientist. I am a, a immune, or I'm a, a virologist, but I am a scientist. And there is only anecdotal evidence. Well, we are in a war against not only the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. We are already in World War III, my fellow alphas. Make no mistake. It's a hot war. It's not a cold war. And I will tell you about that. On multiple levels, we are already at war with China. And frankly, China fired the first shot. We will get to that perhaps later on. I want to con uh, just continue talking about Dr. Fauci and hydroxychloroquine. Now, Dr. Fauci, who is the director of the Nas National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health, has been stating it is only anecdotal evidence that hydroxychloroquine works. Well, we're seeing it on the front lines. Here is the analogy that I would like to use. If in the event America was attacked, let's say Washington, D.C. was attacked by some enemy, and they were shooting bombs and mortars, would we wait for a scientific study, a double-blind study over six months, two years, and say, before we fire a shot back at the enemy, we need to conduct a test of every single type of ammunition, whether they're large-scale bullets, whether they're mortars, whether they're rocket-propelled grenades, bombs, uh, anti-aircraft fire. Before we shoot back, we need to do scientific studies. You all know the answer to that. The answer is, when you're at war, you take whatever ammo you have and you start firing your ass off. Period. End of discussion. We have been in a war against the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. Dr. Fauci, when asked by all the members of the media, who immediately derided and insulted President Trump by saying, you're not a doctor, you're not a physician, what do you know about, what do you know about this? President Trump said, I'm not a physician, I never claimed to be. I'm just saying, we've seen evidence that it works. What do we have to lose? People were going into ICU units, being put on ventilators, and when you get to an ICU unit or a ventilator, it's over. And now we're finding that ventilators, in many cases, may be worse on CCP Wuhan virus victims' lungs than if you give them heavy doses of oxygen. Again, I'm not a physician. I'm not telling people what to do, what not to do. 
I would say consult your physician, but I would say you should be an advocate. So let's look at the evidence. Again, I deal in fact, not in fiction, not in fairy tale. I want to preface this by saying that if President Obama had been president during the CCP Wuhan virus pandemic, and he had read some literature or heard on the news that physicians were having success using hydroxychloroquine or zinc or azithromycin or any other drug for that matter and suggested it and said, well, you know, uh, I'm trying to do my Obama impression. You got to start slow and then you got to continue moving fast. President Obama would say, look, there is evidence that hydroxychloroquine could be an effective treatment against Chinese Wuhan virus. And the entire world, the media would have said, bravo, Mr. President, you are a brilliant, farsighted, incredible, deep-thinking president. You are on such a different intellectual plane. Every doctor didn't think about this, but you sought this out, and you are willing to do whatever it takes to help Americans and patients worldwide Bravo, Mr. President. And the media and the Democrats would have run and said, President Obama is brilliant. He is genius. He has such foresight. He should be nominated for another Nobel Prize for science because he is advancing this theory when other people are saying no. And I guarantee you, if President Obama had said hydroxychloroquine is effective, we should try it, what do you think Dr. Anthony Fauci what do you think Dr. Fauci would say? He wouldn't have said, well, it's only anecdotal. He would have said, I believe, Mr. President, you are onto something, and we are going to heavily research that, and we are going to use that, and we are going to note the results. Now, President Trump was derided. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, the great Dr. Fauci, the great universal genius, the Renaissance man. The Renaissance physician, Dr. Fauci, has said hydroxychloroquine, no evidence, all, all, just there's nothing, it's all anecdotal, really. My friends, do you think I would go into a long rant? Do you think I would go and conduct an intense opening monologue segment about hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine if I didn't have the facts and the data and the papers in front of me, oh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, you, I'm going to criticize you. Do you, Dr. Anthony Fauci, are full of bull shiatsu, and shiatsu is a type of a dog, as you know. You are full of BS. How do I know this? Because I know for fact that Dr. Anthony Fauci, the expert, the genius, the man who is the sole authority in this nation, on infectious disease, communicable disease, I know for a fact that he has known that chloroquine has been shown to be a potent, effective inhibitor of coronavirus infection and spread. Now I know what you're saying. Well, General, how in the world do you know this? And the media does not know this. Oh, trust me, the media knows it. The fake stream media. See, I don't call the CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, the, the, the China News Network, CNN. I don't call BSDNC. I don't call them by mainstream because they are not. They are biased liberal stream media. That's what I call them. 
and I have the proof. Dr. Fauci knew back in 2005 about chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. In fact, he could have said early on, we should, when we have this virus, we should immediately hit this with hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine and get it early on. He knew this. How, you ask? How general did he know? As Paul Harvey would say, now the rest of the story. Virology Journal, which is a publication of the National Institutes of Health. Dr. Anthony Fauci, I guarantee you, reads this publication. He should. Virology Journal, what's his expertise? He's the national director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. I guarantee you, he reads Virology Journal every month. It's exciting for him. Gives him major wood while he's reading it. August 22, 2005, 15 years ago, Virology Journal, headline of the article, Chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. It was authored, published by Martin J. Vincent, Eric Bergeron, Suzanne Benjenet, Bobby R. Erickson, Pierre E. Rollin, Thomas G. Shazak, Nabil G. Seda, and Stuart T. Nickel. There were a total of eight researchers and authors of this article entitled Chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. Let me just read you the abstract. All you need to read is the abstract because they have a background, results, and conclusion. Essentially, this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten printed pages, including one full page of 26 references and footnotes. I have the evidence in my hand. Oh, Dr. Fauci, you too had the evidence. You have concealed the evidence, as has the corrupt, phony, liberal stream media. Here's the abstract from this article. Background. Severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, is caused by a newly discovered coronavirus called SARS-CoV. No effective prophylactic or post-exposure therapy is currently available. I remind you, this was August 22nd, 2005. Results. It says, we report, however, that chloroquine has strong antiviral effects on SARS-CoV infection of primate cells. These inhibitory effects are observed when the cells are treated with the drug either before or after ex exposure to the virus, suggesting both prophylactic and therapeutic advantage. In addition to the well-known functions of chloroquine, such as elevations of endosomal pH, the drug appears to interfere with terminal glycosylation of the cellular receptor angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. This may negatively influence the virus receptor binding and abrogate the infection with further ramifications by the elevation of acicular pH, resulting in the inhibition of infection and spread of SARS-CoV at clinically admissible concentrations. What did I just say? Here's the conclusion. I'll sum it up for you. Chloroquine. This is their writing, not mine. From again, August 2005, 15 years ago. 
Conclusion. Chloroquine is effective in, pre in preventing the spread of SARS coronavirus in cell culture. Favorable inhibition of virus spread was observed when the cells were either treated with chloroquine prior to or after SARS coronavirus infection. In addition, the indirect immunofluorescence assay described herein represents a simple and rapid method for screening SARS coronavirus antiviral compounds. My fellow alphas, I have just presented the evidence to you in hand. When Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, when Fauci says, it's all anecdotal, we don't have evidence, we don't know, he almost played like he'd never heard of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. I just presented the evidence. Sergeant Steve has just posted this on the homepage of CigarDave.com and all of our social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. I don't think we can put it on Instagram. Oh, well, we could just picture, uh, Sergeant Steve, put a picture of the cover page on Instagram. It's all on social media. I present you the evidence. I present you the fact. I'm not dealing in fiction. So Dr. Fauci knew in 2005, back with the initial SARS outbreak, the NIH research concluded chloroquine was effective at stopping the SARS coronavirus in its tracks. While not the same as the SARS coronavirus 1, the Chinese Wuhan virus shares 79% of its genome. They both host the same cell receptor, which is what viruses use to gain entry to the cell and infect the victim. It was a blockbuster article in August of 2005. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Leonardo de Fauci, he is known for 15 years that chloroquine and its milder derivative, hydroxychloroquine, will not only treat a current case of, of, of Chinese Wuhan virus, a therapeutic, but prevent future cases, a prophylactic. There is a reason that health professionals now are taking a loading dose, loading doses of hydroxychloroquine, and then thereafter taking a booster dose once a week. I've spoken to about 10 physicians and frontline healthcare providers over the last several weeks when I got this information, they all told me the same thing. We're taking this. Hospitals are prescribing this to their frontline workers. So we know that this works. Dr. Fauci knew. Dr. Didier Rao, who is the Dr. Anthony Fauci of France, has had spectacular success using hydroxychloroquine, zinc, azithromycin to treat to treat the Chinese Wuhan virus. He said back on February 25th that it's game over for the coronavirus. He and his team of researchers reported that when H uh, hydroxychloroquine was administered with both zinc and azithromycin, they cured a huge 79 of 80 patients with only rare and minor adverse effects. They knew this. He just released a larger study showing that. The key is get it early. Don't wait until you're in the hospital. Don't wait for a test to come back. If a physician, you present a physician with Chinese Wuhan virus symptoms, whether it's high temperature, cough, whether it is sore throat, any other things, physicians are telling me, we were, now we get the test instantly. But before, they would say, we're not going to wait seven, eight, ten days. We're going to administer that immediately. Yet every physician that has done that, that has shown results, they're being castigated. 
They're being castigated by governors, whether it was in New York State, whether it was in Michigan, whether even now in Texas, where I just saw on Laura Ingram two nights ago on Fox, a Texas physician has been writing scripts for hydroxychloroquine, having tremendous, phenomenal results. Now the pharmacy she's used for 20 years called her and said, started quizzing her. Like, how dare you prescribe this? And now you've got the pharmacy boards and the medical boards trying to go after physicians in, in Michigan. They threatened, they threatened pharmacies that would dispense the hydroxychloroquine and wanting the pharmacist to spill the beans on what doctor prescribed it so they could go after him. What kind of nonsense is this? First, we heard from Dr. Fauci. We have to flatten the curve, then we'll start getting back to normal. Now he just changed the goalposts again this week during his nonsensical testimony in front of the Senate saying, well, now we need to wait until we have a therapeutic or a vaccine. I know President Trump yesterday had a big press conference saying that the private and public sectors are working on a vaccine. We hope to have it by the end of the year. Here's fact, here's the reality. Again, I deal in fact, not fiction. We've not had a, a vaccine for SARS. We don't have a vaccine for the common cold, and we don't have a vaccine for Ebola. That's the reality. I don't see any likelihood we're going to have a vaccine for the Chinese Wuhan virus. Now, Dr. Fauci the most, was, was, is, is one of the most recognized virologists in the world. His French counterpart, Dr. Didier Rao, the Dr. Anthony Fauci of France, of Europe, he is quoted seventh worldwide when it comes to various virology and infectious disease articles. Now he is being attacked. Why? Because he doesn't, because his results do not fit the narrative of the liberal stream media and the Democrats who want to keep this country closed. I just gave you the evidence. And when I come back, I'll tell you, why is Dr. Fauci so in bed with Gilead Science and their supposed brilliant revolutionary drug remdesivir, which does nothing. It reduces, on a clinical study, the average person being in the hospital for recovery 15 days to 11 days. Big deal. More when we continue. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, 
quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. This is continuing coverage of America at War Against the Chinese Virus. Here's more from the Global General, Cigar Dave. The reason I'm spending time on the Chinese Wuhan virus talking about Dr. Fauci, hydroxychloroquine, is because this is the number one topic at hand today. Period. Alphas, cigar connoisseurs, libation connoisseurs, they're talking about it everywhere you go. You can't escape from it. I received an email from a Longtime listeners saying, General, we're getting tired of your Wuhan virus rant. This week is the same as last week. One is fine and appropriate. We get it. We agree with you. Get back to cigars, spirits, and dames. Well, we will do that. But I'm sorry. This is an important item. And by the way, my email's running five to one in favor of me continuing to spread the truth. Things you're not hearing. How many of you have heard about the article that was in Virology Journal 15 years ago in August of 2005? With the headline, chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. The answer, none of you. Guaranteed, none. But it is the truth. Now, we've all heard about this publicized Veterans Administration study purporting to show that hydroxychloroquine was ineffective and that there were instances of heart issues. Well, here's the reality. The VA study was, I think, 40, 50 people. They didn't administer it until these veterans were on their deathbed it is too late you have to prescribe as soon as it the symptoms are apparent additionally they didn't give the patients a cocktail of hydroxychloroquine zinc and azithromycin just the hydroxychloroquine so please it is phony now dr fauci has been touting remdesivir which by the way can only be delivered given in a hospital Gilead Sciences, this is a drug they've been working on for, I think, five years. And Fauci came out, and this is a couple of weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, end of April. He said that data from a coronavirus drug trial testing Gilead Sciences antiviral drug remdesivir showed quite good news, setting a new standard of care for CCP Wuhan virus patients. Of course, they call it COVID-19. We know that's a concocted BS name. And Fauci went on to say, now, everybody sit down for this. This is huge, he says. The median time of recovery for patients taking the drug was 11 days compared to the placebo, placebo group who took 15 days to recover. That's the big news. Four days. He said this will be the standard of care. When you know a drug works, you have to let people, the placebo group, know so they can take it. Always follow the money. I want you to remember one thing. There's no money in hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine. It is a generic drug. The cost for the cocktail of hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and azithromycin, total for the week coverage, one week, 20 bucks, sometimes less. Most people's insurance, there's no copay. They're generic drugs. There's no money in that. Remdesivir, we don't know how much it's going to cost. Is it going to be three, $400 a dose, $500 a dose, $1,000 a dose? We don't know. But one thing I want you to remember about Dr. Anthony Fauci, 
Dr. Fauci, there was a law passed about 15, 20 years ago that allows researchers for universities and governments in the United States, so federal, state, local, if they come up with a discovery and they patent it, they get to share in the patent. Their names are on the patent as well in addition to the state, and they get lifelong patent royalties, or however long the patent goes for, 17 years, whatever the case is. Dr. Fauci makes $375,000 a year. I would love to know how much his patent income is from the various patents that he has out, whether it is on drugs or on treatments. For example, the HIV cocktail he came up with. He's getting patent revenue on that. I guarantee you Dr. Fauci's patent revenue is far higher than his $375,000 a year government study. No reporters have asked Dr. Fauci about the study in the Virology Journal showing that chloroquine is an effective treatment, not only prophylactically, but therapeutically against the SARS coronavirus or this virus, the CCP Wuhan virus. Now, here's something else I want you to remember. Dr. Fauci oversees a large budget of research grants that he can dole out to not only research institutions in the country, university research institutions, hospital research institutions, but across the world. Let's go back to November 12, 2015 in Nature Medicine. Article published actually November 9th of 2015, five years ago in Nature Medicine Journal. The article says entitled engineered bat virus stirs debate over risky research lab made coronavirus related to sars can infect human cells now i'm going not not going to read this entire article but what essentially it says is that an experiment was done to create a hybrid version uh, version not virgin hybrid version of a bat coronavirus one related to the virus that causes sars and it has triggered renewed debate over whether engineering lab variants of viruses with possible pandemic risk potential is worth the risk. Does this sound familiar? In North Carolina, there was a study that was under the auspices of the U.S. National Institutes of Health, Dr. Fauci, uh, that Ralph Barrick was conducting an infectious disease researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, co-author of the study. Now, the NIH was then, there was a moratorium while this research went on that basically shut down all what they call gain-of-function virus research. Gain-of-function uh, gain virus research is where they actually manipulate viruses existing viruses in a lab and change it, try to change the sequencing, trying to see if they can manipulate it, come up with uh, vaccines. It's extremely dangerous. It's not natural. You are changing a virus. And the U.S. shut it all down. They shut it down in the United States, period. Yet, the virus research was not shut down in China. They're not subject to U.S. laws. So who do you think wrote a check of $4 million of taxpayer funds to the Wuhan Virology Laboratory to continue the gain-of-function research on bat viruses, on these coronaviruses? Would you care to take a guess? Going once, going twice. Oh, that would be the 
universal genius and renaissance man and physician, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci wrote a $4 million check, authorized $4 million to go to the Wuhan Virology Laboratory, where they were continuing the risky gain-of-function research. Have you heard this on any of the liberal stream media? The answer is no. Has any reporter, has any of the clowns from the Chinese news network CNN, have they asked? No. Nobody's asked. Why not? Well, Dr. Fauci is the genius. He is boy wonder. He is Dr. Wonder. You can't question him. It is sacrosanct. In fact, I believe that by me talking, I'm expecting the FBI and the jackbooted thugs of the corrupt FBI, and we saw how corrupt the FBI is, not everybody, but certainly at the top, under the Obama administration, under Comey and McCabe, I'm expecting them to knock down my door here at Command Center Alpha and say, you are under arrest for criticizing the great Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci, you cannot do that. Dr. Fauci's a genius. He's a renaissance doctor. You can't do this. Dr. Fauci, he's wonderful. He's right, no matter what he says. We're publishing, we are going to also post right now, Sergeant Steve, please post this. This is from Nature Magazine, which references the Nature Medicine Journal article. Again, the risk, they said, the extent of any risk is difficult to assess, but according to Simon Wayne Hobson, a virologist at the Pasteur Institute in Paris, France, points out that researchers have created novel viruses that grow remarkably well in human cells, and I quote, if the virus escaped, nobody could predict the trajectory. Folks, we have seen the trajectory. It is the CCP Wuhan virus that escaped from the lab. Now, we don't know whether it escaped accidentally or on purpose. We have no idea, but there's going to be more to come on that. But the manipulation of viruses, gain-of-function research deemed so risky that in the event the virus was accidentally released from a lab, could cause a worldwide pandemic. That type of research shut down in the United States over five years ago. Actually, in October 2014, the U.S. government imposed a moratorium on federal funding of such research on the viruses that cause SARS, influenza, and MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. However, that didn't stop Dr. Fauci from writing a $4 million check of taxpayer money to the Chinese Wuhan Virology Lab. We need to get more answers. Again, the CDC hasn't been allowed in China. We hear people saying, we need to cooperate with China. Uh, 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 Beijing Biden is saying, we need to cooperate. We need to get our people in there. We've been trying since January, Sleepy Joe. We've been trying since January. The CDC can't get in. The World Health Organization can't get into that laboratory. The Chinese have obstructed, obfuscated, done everything in their power to deflect and not tell the truth. And by the way, Dr. Fauci, the brilliant Dr. Anthony Fauci, so brilliant that in January he said, this is going to be like the cold, a common cold, don't worry about it. Then he said, China's being very open with us, no problem. Then he said, don't even wear a mask, it'll do more damage. We don't believe this, is, this can be spread from person to person. Everything Dr. Fauci said January, February was wrong. Yet now he's hailed as a hero. But if President Trump says things that are turned out to be incorrect, and when you're in a pandemic like this, some things will be correct, some things will be wrong, you'll learn from it. This isn't a political event. I'm not going after Dr. Fauci because of politics, even though he's a big Democrat, contrib well, I shouldn't say contributor, big supporter of the Democrats, including Hillary Clinton. That is fact. 
I'm not going after him for that. I'm going after him because he knew about the hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine research 15 years ago, has said nothing, because he wants to promote a new, more expensive treatment where maybe his name is on the patent. Maybe some of his other buddies are on the patent. Remember, he was, uh, he's in charge of doling out funds, and Gilead Sciences is a big contributor to his private, they've got actually private foundations that he controls as part of the NIH, and Gilead Science, big contributor. Always follow the money. There is no money in hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, zinc, or azithromycin. There'll be loads of money for remdesivir, which probably isn't going to be as effective as the other drug cocktail. Again, we're giving you the facts. You make your own decisions. We've posted it at CigarDave.com on social media. You read the articles. And you ask yourself, why has the liberal stream media not asked any of these questions to Dr. Fauci? Instead, he's hailed as brilliant, as a genius, as a man that can't be questioned, that he is the unilateral authority to decide how this country reopens and how this country attacks the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. I say... Not so fast, my friends. Let's start following the money. Do the research. The facts are there. You're all educated alphas. You make the call. The National Cigar Litation and Triple Libation Ceremony comes your way next. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. In 2020, we have been delivering fantastic cigars to all members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. And for May, we've got a fantastic selection entitled the Rocky Patel Sampler. We're featuring two Rocky Patel edges and a Rocky Patel sun-grown. First of all, the Rocky Patel Edge Light. It uses a magnificent Connecticut Ecuadorian shade-grown wrapper. It's a mild, mild, medium cigar, creamy with a little bit of sweetness. Then the Rocky Patel Edge Corojo, fuller, 
More personality, bold with a wonderful Nicaraguan wrapper. And finally, the Rocky Patel Sungrown. Medium in body with an Ecuadorian wrapper, Brazilian, Dominican, Nicaraguan fillers, a very balanced cigar. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club and get three cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club pouch. $22.95 per month and you get amazing cigars. Go to CigarDave.com right now, click on Officers Club, and join the Officers Club today. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy and Chinese virus sanitation maneuvers performed, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. And before I pull out and tell you what cigar I'll enjoy, a very happy birthday to Cigar Sister Lynn. Monday we'll be celebrating her birthday. Happy birthday, Lynn. Enjoy the day. She is in the cigar state of Florida during the CCP Wuhan virus, so I know that she will celebrate appropriately. All right, I've just pulled out a one of my favorite cigars, the Alec Bradley Tempest Natural. Alan Rubin, the founder of Alec Bradley Cigars, will be joining us in hour two for our Cigar Masters series. And I remember when he launched this cigar, and we'll talk about that, about 15 years ago. Gave me a cigar to try. He said, just try it. We're going to come out with this. It took him umpteen years to come out with it. It is a beautiful cigar. Honduran wrapper, Honduran binder, Honduran Nicaraguan filler. It is medium, medium full. It just is a spectacular cigar. Lovely notes. A little bit of, oh, I would say spice. Little uh, woodiness, little some nuts. Just, just a balanced, beautiful cigar. Very tasty. That's what I will enjoy today, and I've just pulled out the Churchill 7-inch by 49. But uh, you're running uh, probably about eight and a half, nine dollars for this beautiful cigar. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. I've got my CCK litation device, the Chinese communist killer, ready to go. This is like a blowtorch. Eliminates a thousand Chinese commies in 30 seconds. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. I will now toast the foot of this beautiful Alec Bradley Tempest. Just beautiful, oily, shiny wrapper, toasting the foot of the cigar as I puff and rotate. Sergeant Steve, hit the libation liner. It's a libation triple header as the Global General celebrates World Whiskey Day. Hmm, a happy World Whiskey Day. My cigar is now lit. For World Whiskey Day, we're going to go to three countries. The United States, Canada, and we're going to go to Scotland. So first up, I've got my Jim Beam Signature Craft, age 12 years. This came out, geez, I want to say probably, oh, this has been a while ago. This came out in 2013, not available anymore, age 12 years. Some notes, little oak vanilla, little cinnamon on the nose. I've had this for a long time, 86 proof. Cheers, take a sip. Mm. Ooh, little peppery spice. A lot of oak, heavy amounts of oak, medium, medium full, a lot of warmth, very nice. Now we're going to go to 
Canada. Oh, Canada, eh? Crown Royale, eh? Made in Ghibli, Manitoba, eh? This is the Crown Royale XR. This is about a hundred and... Oh, probably about 135, 140 bucks a bottle. They take, take the rarest of their extra rare whiskeys. They handcraft them with some of the final batches of whiskeys from their renowned LaSalle Distillery. Some Canadian rye in here. I will pour this. Wow, nice notes of almost cocoa brown sugar. Say cheers on that. Oh, this is beautiful. Now let me pour another glass. I've got my Balvini Signature 12. This is interesting. It's aged 12 years. They first age it in an Oloroso sherry butt cask. Actually, first fill goes in an old bourbon barrel, then an Oloroso sherry butt cask, then they refill it back into the bourbon cask. Very unique. Lots of honey, spice, subtle oak. Let me take a sip. Mmm. Outstanding. My Jim Beam Signature Craft from the U.S., my Crown Royale XR from Canada, eh? And I've got from Scotland the Balvini Signature 12 as we celebrate World Whiskey Day. All right. Big news this week in the world of cigars. First up, the Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show that was going to take place July 10th to 14th at the Sands Expo Center in Las Vegas was officially canceled this week. The organization initially waited to the last minute, but I think they were waiting because they didn't want to be the ones canceling, and then they would have owed the Sands Expo Center and the Venetian and Palazzo Hotels some serious uh, default payments. So clearly in Vegas, it hasn't opened up. They're going to limit conventions to, I think, 250 people, and you got to be very, very spread out. So after much deliberation, according to the press release from Scott Pierce, the uh, executive director of the Premium Cigar Association, he said, after much deliberation, careful discussions of every aspect of our annual convention and trade show, the PCA board made the difficult decision to cancel our current event scheduled. Now, that's an important fundraiser, revenue producer, for the Premium Cigar Association, formerly known as the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. So, basically... You are going to see no convention this year, so cigar manufacturers will release their cigars probably in July, maybe August, start shipping in September. So it'll be done pretty much virtually, and that's going to be a big hit to the lobbying and their legal uh, uh, funds that they've been using the, the convention for to fund many of their lawsuits going after the FDA. Now, big news a couple of weeks ago, Imperial Tobacco announced they had a deal in place to sell their premium cigar assets which consists of Altadas USA, Tabacalera USA, and then their interests in the Cuban Cigar Worldwide operation. They had two deals, one to Gemstone Investment Holding, one to Allied Cigar Corporation. Two companies, they think one buyer. The Gemstone Investment Holding Company will buy the U.S.-based assets of Imperial Tobacco, which include Tabacalera USA, which consists of Altadas USA. They make Monte Cristo, Romeo, other brands, Casa de Monte Cristo stores, and JR Cigars. Allied Cigar Corporation, and that deal is for $200 million U.S. dollars. The rest of the company is being sold for $1.13 billion for all the other premium cigar assets, including the Florida Copan Cigar Factory in Honduras, the Tabacalera de Garcia factory, the world's largest cigar factory in the Dominican Republic, the Vega Fina brand, as well as their 50% stake in Habanos 
and the Cuban cigar brands. But what is interesting, I know for a fact, they had could have sold that company 10, 12 years ago, could have sold Altadas for far more than what they're getting now. Further, some very interesting and very suspicious activity who the buyers are. It's coming out that a uh, one of the board members is from Macau. So we will have more on that next week as more information comes out. The Chinese Communist Party could be involved in the purchase of Altadas USA. We'll know more. Hour two of The Cigar Dave Show is next. This is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. The first hour, we talked about the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. We talked about Dr. Anthony Fauci hydrochloroquine. We got into some of the new drug that he is touting, remdesivir. We talked about the PCA canceling their trade show. We talked about Imperial Cigars selling their premium cigar business with some very mysterious links to China involved in the sale. But this hour, we shift focus to alpha male pleasure maneuvers. We will talk cigars. We will talk to one of my great friends in the cigar industry. Been around a long time. Great cigars. He now has his two sons involved in the business. We will get to that. We know him very well. Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, our guest on the Cigar Masters series this hour on the Cigar Dave Show. Alan, my friend, welcome. It has been a crazy two months, has it not? Uh, Dave, it has been uh, it has been a two months that I have never experienced in my lifetime, and I hope to never experience again. Yeah, it has been absolutely uh, almost surreal in how this Chinese Wuhan virus came about, how it has affected the economy. Uh, and I know that many cigar retailers, because of state restrictions, have been closed. Some are starting to open up. The mail order uh, companies have been certainly busy. But let's focus, first of all, on Alec Bradley Cigars. Tell us, if you could go back chronologically, when this first came about, how did you prepare how did you deal with this with your entire team, your salespeople, people in the office? Give us a whole background on on preparation for uh, dealing with this uh, this very chaotic two months. Sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to tell you a uh, great first hour so far. Um, just phenomenal subjects, and it was very informative. So I, I'm glad to be able to follow that segment. Um, so it, it happens to be that, you know, we – we all find, found out somewhat at the same time, right, when that we were going to go on lockdown. But sometimes things just work out in some ways. And that was that we had received a shipment about 10 days prior to the news that Honduras, that, that you know, where we're producing a lot of our cigars was closing down. So 10 days prior, we received a large shipment. And then the day 
we received a double shipment the day that we got the news that the country was closing down. So, you know, we we couldn't have we couldn't have prepared had we known that it was coming, you know, coming down in a day or two or three. Uh, a little bit, we just because of the the preparation of getting ready, you know, for the selling season, we had a lot of product come in. And again, that we received a large shipment just the, the day Honduras closed down. So we knew we were going to be okay in terms of inventory for a little bit. And, uh, and then at that point, um, at that point, we called our staff together. We did a Zoom call actually with our entire staff around the country. We told everybody that uh, all of our sales staff on the road were no longer allowed to be on the road representing the company, that they had to stay, you know, shelter in place. They had to follow their state and CDC guidelines. We did tell them that we're asking them not to think of it as a paid vacation, that they still needed to be on the phones with every one of their accounts, find out where they are, if they were open, if they were doing curbside, if they were doing delivery, so that we could help support them in whatever el- you know efforts they needed, uh, but that they, they needed to stay home. Uh, on the other side of that is that from uh, internally in our corporate offices, we told we, we set up for everyone immediately, we set up for everyone to work from home and we worked on a skeleton crew for 23 days. And what I mean by that is that we had one person in each department daily. So accounting, somebody might have come in on Monday and Wednesday, somebody else Tuesday and Thursday, somebody on Friday. And then we went to shipping. Uh, we started shipping two days a week just to make sure that we were getting uh, uh, the Alec Bradley products to our tobacconists that still, you know, that that were still up and running and and, and shipping. So we made it through. Uh, we made it through uh, in the call. I did tell every one of our uh, every one of, of our company employees that nobody would job that we were retaining everybody at full salary uh, for at least 60 days and as long as we could. And I told them, listen, you know, throughout my cigar career, I've been in debt before and I will go into debt with the bank if I have to to make sure that nobody loses their job. I said, but we have to work together. We have to be there for our, our, our retail partners and we have to work harder than we ever have to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And that was the, the plan. I put a five point plan together uh, with your good friend, Ralph Montero, right. um, our, our executive vice president. And we put a five point plan together and we just executed on our plan. And we were very fortunate to, to come out where we are today and be in good shape. Alan, were you able to qualify for any of the PPP uh, loans or grants? Yes, actually, um, we 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 were very fortunate. And also, in another way, is that we don't work with a lot of the larger banks. Um, almost throughout my entire business career, we've worked with community banks. Uh, we like to personalize, you know, relationships, and so we worked with a community bank, and um, they were very receptive to us. You know, we've been a account of theirs for for quite some time and so we worked i worked with my banker uh we worked nine straight days every day because when the guidance came out i think the guidance came out on either a tuesday night or a wednesday 
we were prepared. We filled everything out. We got it in. And we were told, listen, it's going to change on Thursday. It's going to change on Friday. They're, they're mm-hmm. continuing to revamp it. And so a lot of times we were signing the same documents with a minor change. And we continued to do it. We worked on Saturday. I worked on Sunday, on Monday. And the following Tuesday, we were we had all the applications in. And two days later, we were we were funded. Um, but I can tell you, I, I actually jokingly said to my banker, if anyone ever talks about bankers hours, I'm going to I'm going to have them call you because this guy worked his tail off for us. So that's great. great. We appreciate it. We had Jeff Borshowitz, as you know, Jeff from Corona Cigars uh, mm-hmm. in Orlando and then the Davidoff store in Tampa. And we had him on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And initially he said that he dealt with one of the larger banks, but he also has a community bank that he deals with. And one thing he's learned along the line is you should have multiple banking relationships. And he said that he got the word from the larger bank that they were going to have problems. They were going to run out of money and they were going to prioritize their larger clients because it's the same amount of work, whether you're going to process a $10,000 loan or a $10 million loan. So he went to his community bank and he received the same response that you did. They were very cooperative and worked uh, for him. But I think there was not, I think I know there was really a, some misinformation that people would be able to just go into the bank on in the morning, come out 30 minutes later. It would be a very easy, simple process. Not the case. Whenever you have the government involved, a lot of paperwork, a lot of documentation, not simple at all. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you from our side, it was a full, a full court press. So we had our banker, we had our accountant, we had one of our attorneys going over the guidance. We had our CFO and our controller involved, um, and it was it was definitely a, a coordinated effort to make sure that the bank and the SBA division of the bank had exactly what they needed. And I can tell you, if I was you know a sole proprietor with a a little bit smaller organization and didn't have the resources available, it would have been a lot more difficult. But our staff pulled together, um, you know, very rapidly to to get everything we needed to the bank. And then the bank, because of the personal relationship for so long, I think made us, I felt, I felt like they made us a priority knowing them. uh, It's, it's, uh, they, they made every account feel like a priority. So very blessed to be with them. Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, our guest on our Cigar Masters Hour. Alan, do you have any idea just from past orders, uh, looking at normal business cycle, business flows on a weekly basis, what percentage of brick and mortar retailers you believe actually closed down? Well, I can tell you as of today, we not, have not heard of a single store closing down, not one. So really? I'm so not they, saying that it, you know, I don't mean by, not, I don't mean I don't I don't mean closing happen, permanently. I mean just I, yeah, I mean, we haven't heard one store closing down permanently. Okay, but I'm talking about in the during the lockdown period or the when they asked many states had uh, stay-at-home orders and they shut down businesses. Oh, Were see. you able to ascertain how many retailers cuz you probably do business with what about 2500 retailers in the country? Yeah, right around there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any idea, any estimate, ballpark estimate how many you think had to be closed, shut down during the uh, the stay at home period. Um, yeah, you mean at some level, whether they were do you're saying close, potentially still doing business, whether it was shipping or curbside or those type of things, right? Right, correct. Well, yeah. So I mean, 
And Dave, that's 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 a very, that's a kind of interesting question because if I had to put my finger on it, I would say over ninety percent of the retail locations, if not more, have to close down at some level, right? They may again still been shipping, they may have been right. doing curbside or any of those things, but at some level, their locations were closed. And I, I can tell you, you know, if you think about how some of our retail partners gain their income, there's a lot of cigar bars, right? And when the bars are closed, that's a big chunk of their income. And then there are the, 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 the regular tobacconists that don't have a liquor or bar component. And I think some of those guys fared a little better in some level. Uh, but I would say, you know, 90, 95% of all the stores were impacted with some type of a closure for some period of time. During that time, I know that many of the mail order internet companies, uh, cigar retailers, they saw huge increases. Have you started to see a shift now where there is some ordering taking place, an uptick from brick and mortar retailers? Yeah, uh, I spoke to a, a professor and, and we spoke and he said he was down, his sales were down about 30%, but he was still okay. And I think what we did notice, you know, Dave, you and I have been doing this a long time. Cigar smokers are a tight, they're, we're a tight group. Um, we're loyal. We're loyal to the, the cigar lifestyle, you know, what it brings to us. And we're loyal to relationships. And so I think that though there was a, an uptick on the internet catalog sales, I think many consumers called their tobacconist to find out, hey, are you open? Can I do curbside? Uh, is there is there a way for that's what makes our cigar community so strong is that we are there for one another and I think that uh, I think that most tobacconists were still doing some level of business. Alan, when you now that you're about eight weeks into this, and I know that you and I spoke earlier this week, and you said you were starting to gear things back up, getting not necessarily getting all your people on the road yet, but tell us where you are today in the cycle. Because, uh, you know, certainly people want to get back to their normal routine. Sales reps want to go out and see their, their brick-and-mortar retailers. Obviously, it has to be done safely. So tell us where you are right now in the cycle and, and how you're gearing up to get back to a semblance of normalcy. Yeah, so let me, let me start by saying that... that the year before this happened, we were on a on a record pace uh, for our company in, in growth at the beginning of the year, and we, we we had a record first quarter. We were very fortunate. Again, we had inventory, so we had a record first quarter. April, we also had a very very good month, so we were okay where we were. And and what we did see is that our our territory managers were doing business. They were you know through by, by phone. Uh, Zoom calls, all of those things. We did a lot of virtual herfs, our entire staff. We were we were okay. We were writing business. And actually, we did a poll uh, just a couple of days ago and asked our in in total how many of them had written brand new accounts during this time. And I think it was about 50% of our people had written brand new accounts over the last two months. And right now, we have about 70% of our staff on the road and where there are certain areas that you know their entire territories are still on lockdown so they they can't go out it wouldn't be beneficial for them to go out but we have about 70 percent of our our staff that are back on the road at some level i think there's a i know there's a pent-up demand 
from cigar connoisseurs that I've spoken to that say, look, we want to get back out. We want to do it safely. We miss the camaraderie. In Florida, we're very fortunate because the weather is always conducive to having a cigar outside year-round. Up north, they've had a very cool spring and rainy spring. But if you look at Florida, I know that some of the retailers here in Florida that I speak with and that I, that I, I do visit, they now have their tables outside. Many of them have set up more tables outside with proper mm-hmm. social distancing. Cigar connoisseurs, by nature, are social. They want the camaraderie. They want to enjoy a cigar with others, not necessarily themselves. So that, I think, bodes well. So I think there will be a ton of pent-up demand. Alan, let me just state the reason that Alec Bradley was on pace prior to the Chinese Wuhan virus to have a record year, record first quarter. You know what the January selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club was, don't you? I do, but why don't we tell your your listeners? Well, I will take full credit, Alan. It is the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, <laughs> the second release from your boys, Alec and Bradley. Uh, they launched that uh, with Ernesto Perez Carrillo working together, blending that at the Tabacalera La Alianza factory in the Dominican Republic. Beautiful you know, cigar, a lot of rich flavors. And you launched that last summer at the Cigar Retailers Convention. We talked about that. But, Alan, clearly, I was, I was wondering why, why Ralph Montero called me and said, General, we need to be the first Officers Club selection of the year hereafter. Now I know why. I'll take the credit. Yeah, Ralph and uh, Bill Gates uh, both predicted the pandemic years ago. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, look, I have to tell you, you, you've been a great supporter of Alec Bradley. And your your listeners, uh, your followers, Dave, have supported us year over year. And so anytime we are able to, you know, participate with you, uh, we always see an uptick. So I, I do appreciate everything you do for us. And, and more importantly, uh, your loyalists, your listeners who follow the general have always supported us vehemently and, and, and been great fans of ours and loyalists to our company. So we want to thank them. Well, you've got great cigars, Alan, and we've been friends for a long time, and I've seen the company grow, and you and I kid each other because we go way, way back. And one of the stories that I want to relay, let's move into something a little bit more pleasant now and leave the Chinese Wuhan virus for for a while here. Let's talk about a brand that you and I first spoke about. I remember I was visiting you and Ralph and George Sosa, your VP of sales at the time, now a retailer in the Sarasota area, and we went to lunch very close to your office, and you pulled out these cigars with no label, and I said, what is it? And he said, just smoke it. Just try it. And you ended up telling me it was going to be the new Alec Bradley Tempest. I can't remember how long ago that was, but the cigar blew me away. It was a beautiful cigar, Honduran wrapper, binder, Nicaraguan and Honduran filler, very smooth, a lot of taste. And I said, that's going to be a breakout cigar for you. And you said, I said, when's it going to come out? And he said, well, probably the next six months, hopefully within the next year. Well, there's a reason you called it Tempest, which is Latin for time, because it took a long time to come out. It was worth it. It's a great cigar. And, Alan, that really, that cigar, I think, catapulted Alec Bradley to another stratosphere. Yeah, I would, when I go back, Dave, I think that lunch, and I remember the lunch, and I remember exactly where it was. Um, uh, that was probably, we're talking 15, 14, 15 years ago. That, mm-hmm. that, that we sat down and because uh, it was around 15 years ago that we'd, we'd come up with the final blend and then just finishing up getting ready to launch. But yeah, 15 years ago, you and I sat down 
you told me you loved the cigar. It was good to hear because I know you smoke everything, you know. Um, it was great to hear that that you felt this was going to be, a, you know, a winner for us. And sure enough, it had proven to, to do very well. Still continues to do uh, very well for us. And love it so much that that's what I enjoyed. I lit up for the litation ceremony in the first hour. It is a beautiful cigar. And since then, you've actually expanded the Tempest line. You've now got the Tempest Nicaragua, which is a little bit different flavor complexion, a little bit heartier, beautiful cigar. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Tempest has, uh, from the time from the time we launched, Tempest had great momentum and people wanted us to do more. And so we did an all Nicaraguan version. Like you said, it's a little hardier. It's a little more rustic. Uh, you know, we always say a little bit earthier with all that Nicaraguan right. tobacco in there. But again, a, another part of the line or the line extension that's done very well. And, um, you know, people people like the Tempest line and they know Alec Bradley a, a lot of who we are as a company because of the Tempest line. No question. And, and your line now is so varied, uh, just huge. And one of the big stories last year was your partnership with Lars Tettens. Lars, a well-known name in the cigar industry going back probably now, I don't know, 25 years or so, kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while, and you and him uh, got together. And the next thing you know, you're launching the Lars Tettens line. It was a huge hit at the... Uh, IPCPR convention last summer and uh, doing very well and very unique cigar. Not for everybody, but for people right. that love that type of infused cigar, it's doing great. And I know that uh, Ralph told me you're doing very well with it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I was always a fan of Lars and, and his style. I believe he's one of the most creative, if not the most creative individual within the premium cigar industry. And so we were able to get together. We, we you know, we, we've had a, we probably have had a friendship for at least 10 years and had always kept in touch. And I think it was just a timing issue where I, 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 I approached him and we can do something together and he was open to it. And it took some time to put the contract together, but uh, we had acquired the Lars Tetons line. We had acquired the line and, and, uh, you know, um, and then brought Lars in to work with us on all the original formulations uh, all the essential oils uh, that we utilize and all the essences that we utilize and aromatics. Uh, and it's, it's a tremendously complex uh, mixture of components that he puts together for this conditioning process. And we launched it. And I have to tell you, we, we did very well. We sold out the entire, we had two major production runs. We've sold out both the production runs, but we are going to make some changes moving forward. Um, just because we had some packaging issues and in the market. All right, we will continue with Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, our guest during our Cigar Masters series this hour. Much more coming your way. Keep your cigar nice and toasty. We will continue. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. news in the world of cigars from those who produce the sticks it's the cigar master series only on the cigar dave show alan rubin of alec bradley cigars our cigar master's guest this hour alan do you have your green jacket on that we sent you <laughs> no but i i have it uh, i just i'm having a dry clean because um, i wore it for a week straight Oh, that's great. That's that's beautiful. We have the big butler cabin ceremony coming up at the end of the show, and it's out at the dry cleaners. That's beautiful. All right, uh, Alan, I, I will say this, that it has come to my attention through the CIA, the Cigar Intelligence Agency, that the lovely Mrs. Rubin insisted you got a good night's sleep knowing you would be on with this five-star today. Yeah, she wanted me at my best because she knows uh, generally when you and I are together, there's a, a tremendous amount of of banter, probably more when we're not on, you know, online together, but uh, there's a lot of banter. And I said, look, I have to be at the top of my game. Got to be on your A game, my friend. That's how it is. You know, no, yeah. nothing substandard uh, with a five-star. There's a reason I'm a five-star and not a buck private, but as always, Alan, we always have great conversations and you're very proud, uh, Alec and Bradley Rubin, who you named the company after. And I remember when I first met you, I said, so you're Alan Rubin, who's who's Alec Bradley? And you told me it was your sons. Well, now your sons are of the age that they are involved in the business and they are creating blends. You sent them down to work with one of the greats, Ernesto Perez Carrillo. And last summer, you launched the Gatekeeper, which was just a phenomenal cigar. Uh, and now you're coming back with another stick. And we should also say that they started with Blind Faith two years ago, another winner. Very unique packaging. Gatekeeper has been a winner. And now for the what was going to be the Premium Cigar Association convention in mid-July, now canceled as we discussed in the first hour, you've got a new project from them that you're going to introduce. It's very interesting because the one thing about about you know, my sons, Alec and Bradley, is that they there's a lot of thought behind uh, the line when they bring it out. They, you know, it's not just, hey, we have a great blend and let's put a, a, a kind of a, a cachet type name to it. There's a lot of thought behind it. And so the new line that they're coming out with, that they're going to launch this year is called Kintsugi. And Kintsugi, Kintsugi is an art form. Uh, basically, the, the, the premise behind it is that you have these beautiful ceramics, and when they break, 
uh, there's a way to put it together with gold lacquer to be able to make it even more beautiful than in its original form. And so, you know, I, I've always had uh, Alec and Bradley sit in on many of our phone calls and meetings with the Premium Cigar Association and Cigar Rights of America, of which I sit on those boards. And so they hear everything going on. And at one point, Bradley turned to me and he said, Dad, you know, it feels like the industry is fractured in its own way. You know, you have you had the big four that were not going to attend the show, that those type of things. And there's some different factions of factions of, of our industry. And and he and, you know, what drew my what drew the boys into this business was the beauty of the relationships that are attained in the premium cigar business. And when I think they were upset with the fact, like, you know, they realized, hey, we're not always all on the same page. But they felt like as we move forward, as them being the next generation, the second generation of cigar maker of Alec Bradley, that they want to be involved in the industry to be able to bring it back together even stronger and make it more beautiful than it is today. And so that was the the premise behind this new line coming out called Kintsugi. Um, and, and I'll tell you, they did an absolutely spectacular job with the blend. It's going to be produced with uh, Hugo Endemano at Raices Cubanas. And uh, they're, they're excited, and I'm very excited for them as well. What type of complexion, give us an idea of wrapper, filler, binder, uh, the uniqueness about the Kintsugi by Alec and Bradley? Well, what they, you know, what happens is, and this is really a, a, a neat thing that they're doing, they always wanted to do their own thing, right? So in a way, between being the boss in some respects and the father, I had to figure out what do I have to do to kind of get out of their way and get out of the way of their success, right? I always want to be involved and I want to put my stamp on it, but they really wanted to put their own names to it and their own stamp on it. And so they came out initially with Blind Faith, which was uh, kind of a non-Alec Bradley profile, a little bit heavier, a little bit stronger. Then they went into Gatekeepers, their second release, using more Dominican tobacco, which we don't really use a lot of it, Alec Bradley. And so that gave them uh, a medium to medium full type uh, product or offering to bring to the to the cigar community. And Kintsugi is actually going to be a, a straight medium bodied, a lot of complexity, a lot of sweetness to it, natural sweetness to it. And uh, so what they're doing is somewhat, I guess, showcasing you know, their ability to blend different styles that they like and that so far has proven to be successful. So this is going to be probably a little more for the mainstream cigar smoker, somebody who if they want something just over mild, this will hit their palate. If they like medium to just over medium, this will hit their palate. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm actually smoking one right now, one of the sample blends right now uh, as we're having this conversation. Thanks for sharing, Alan. Much appreciated. Oh, my I'm pleasure. Waiting, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my. I'm waiting for my uh, uh, shipment of samples. I haven't received those yet. Well, I'll tell you what. We will get some out to you as soon as we have the next uh, shipment come in, because the next shipment that comes in will actually be the production samples that they're sending. What I'm smoking now. We only had a few come in because it. We didn't know. Again, we didn't know Honduras was going to close down over the last two months. But um, actually, the factory opened up on Wednesday and we're going to 50% production on Monday and then back up to 100% production the following week. So when the next the next shipment comes in, I'll uh, I'll have some samples to send to you.
Actually, I don't want you to send them to me. How about I come down and we visit? We'll socially distance properly. Uh, we'll go outside somewhere where we can have lunch uh, with Ralph, you and I, Alec and Bradley. We'll smoke some of the new cigars and uh, share some laughs. I think that would be far more advantageous for us. I'd, I'd love to have you down here. You know, we always enjoy when you uh, come visit our family here. And we can social distance in my lounge over here. Where That's we right. Have, uh, we have socially distant liquor uh, and socially distant cigars that we can share together. Uh, no, I don't want the liquor and the cigars socially distant from me. I want it nice and close to me where I can enjoy it. I, I don't want it six feet away. I want it, you know, right in my hand about six inches away. That's, that's where exactly, that's where you really enjoy usual. it. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about, I, I do want to get into racist Cubanas, your relationship with them. But before that, uh, any hints on some of the Alec Bradley new launches that we could see or we're going to see mid-July at the... Premium Cigar Association convention, which I guess now you're still going to release it, but probably just release release it virtually uh, to all the retailers and to the consumers. Yeah, yeah, we 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 were planning obviously to to launch uh, the Alec Bradley release at the show with the show now not taking place. We'll still launch it. We're probably going to have to move back a little bit again because the factory closure. Right. Uh, but we'll probably launch the Alec Bradley new release in somewhere around August, maybe early September. Uh, it's a blend that we had worked on. I would, we worked on it, I believe last year, we started working on the blend and we hit the blend that we wanted to, to bring out in, uh, I think September of last year, we rolled the production. The production is an aging now. And so the big holdup is actually not the production from the factory, but the fact that our, our box factory is closed. And the printers are now, you know, our, our partners in the in the printing side, they've been closed as well. So uh, that's going to be the holdup on on that on that line. But yeah, something I'm very excited about. I think it hits a great niche for us. It tells a lot about who we are as a company. Though I really can't release the name yet. <clears throat> it's something we're excited about because it it tells a lot of the story of who we are as a company. Well, when you're ready for the release of the name, I know you will call us and give us the opportunity to share that with our alphas and cigar connoisseurs. Let's talk about the relationship you have with the Racist Cubanas Factory, a beautiful factory. They make fantastic cigars. You look at all the cigars, whether it's Prensado, the Prensado Lost Art, or the Tempest, they just make phenomenal cigars. You were really the first to discover them. Tell us about how you discovered them, your relationship with the Racist Cubanas Factory. Yeah, so this was many years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say like 18 to 20 years ago, we started working with them on some projects, and we were going to launch a line, I would say it was probably in the early 2000s with them. And what happened was we had talked to them about some growing of tobacco in the Trojas region. Uh, of The Trojas region is part of the Jalapa Valley, which is in Nicaragua, but the valley spans into Honduras, and this is on the Honduran side of the border. And when we went to see them on the tobacco many years ago, we saw this tobacco and just thought it was absolutely spectacular it was beautiful it had the sweetness from the jalapa valley but it had some interesting complexities and strengths to it and we really fell in love with the tobacco and that that was our desire to move forward with them it happened to be when we were there originally with them they didn't have enough tobacco ready for us to do a project so we waited a year until 
they were able to get a little more fermentation, a little more downtime on the tobacco. And that's when we really started working with them. So I would, I would say probably around 17 years ago, uh, we worked with uh, Romayan Damano, the father, and he was in just an absolute genius in, the, in, in tobacco. Um, you know, came over from Cuba working. He was an engineer, but grew up in, in a tobacco family. And um, it was such a pleasure working with them. And, you know, we're one of the really one of the few companies or, or at that time, boutique style companies that was rolling out of Honduras. Most everybody was rolling out of Nicaragua and so or Dominican Republic. And so we just built a relationship together and we've done multiple projects, like you said, Tempest and and Prensado and Connecticut, Mundial, a lot of things that have scored very, very high in all the cigar aficionado ratings. And we've just built, you know, we built it to really, it's, it's family. Um, I don't own the factory per se, but we own the tobacco and we own the production. So I don't really need a building down in Central America, you know, and uh, everything else we basically either own or control. So it's just been a, a phenomenal relationship, um, We've always financed all the tobacco growth moving forward and all of the farms now. So we have a lot of control there, and it's uh, it's been a phenomenal working relationship from the beginning. Do you control 100% of the production at the Racist Cubanus factory? Actually, we control. We can control. We could control 100% of the production, but we choose not to. We, choose, we, we control about 90% of the production, but there are some other really great boutique blends that are coming out of there. Um, and as we were growing to be where we are in that capacity of 90%, I never wanted to remove the other people that had been rolling smaller quantities there because right. I didn't think it was fair. They're trying to feed their families as well. Um, uh, and it's great for the factory to have some other people there. So yeah, it's not a lot. We don't do a lot of private label stuff out of there. You know, we, we, we pretty much, uh, just control what, what we need to produce there. And that way, if we need to pick up productions, we know how to coordinate not only the the tobacco but um all the rolling times and processes and that's stuff we've worked together on over the last you know 15 16 years so it's been a great relationship well alec bradley has come a long way since early on where now you're actually going out buying tobacco to keep an inventory production with a great factory. You also do a lot of work with Nestor Placencia. They make great cigars, access to phenomenal tobacco. So you've really uh, been able to spread things around. And now you're working with, of course, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, one of the great cigar masters. So now you've got really representation in all the major cigar manufacturing countries. Yeah, we do. And we think there's a couple of things that come along with that. One, there's safety. There's some safety there, right? If something should happen, because sometimes the political environments are a little bit unstable in, in, in some of those countries. So we never wanted to put all our eggs in one basket, but we always, we, we, we pick partners that we know that will have the tobacco year over year for us. And then truly it's a collaborative effort in what we do. Uh, we are very tight in, in who we do business with on the manufacturing side. And uh, I, we think we feel like we work with, with the best, but in turn, we also work with a smaller factory, uh, Jesus Fuego, in, in Esteli, Nicaragua. Um, and that, that all was based on, on friendship, that we started that relationship, and it's proven to be very, very good for us. Final and concluding segment of this Cigar Masters Hour with Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars comes your way next. 
you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars, info on the show each week, and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. In 2020, we have been delivering fantastic cigars to all members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. And for May, we've got a fantastic selection entitled the Rocky Patel Sampler. We're featuring two Rocky Patel edges and a Rocky Patel sun-grown. First of all, the Rocky Patel Edge Light. It uses a magnificent Connecticut Ecuadorian shade-grown wrapper. It's a mild, mild, medium cigar, creamy with a little bit of sweetness. Then the Rocky Patel Edge Corojo. Fuller, more personality, bold with a wonderful Nicaraguan wrapper. And finally, the Rocky Patel Sungrown. Medium in body with an Ecuadorian wrapper, Brazilian, Dominican, Nicaraguan fillers, a very balanced cigar. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club and get three cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club pouch. $22.95 per month, and you get amazing cigars. Go to CigarDave.com right now, click on Officers Club, and join the Officers Club today. Hi, I'm Rocky Patel. After 15 years of hard work, I'd like to introduce you to the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar made at our factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. This cigar showcases a beautiful, oily Habano wrapper from Ecuador. Fillers from Esteli, Jalapa, and Condega make up a rich, complex, spicy taste with a lot of full flavor. The Decade, another one of our masterpieces. Made in Honduras, beautiful Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper with secret fillers. It received a 95 rating, one of the highest rated cigars ever in Cigar Aficionado. This medium to full bodied cigar is rich, complex, yet elegant and well balanced. 15 years ago, they thought we'd never make it in the business. 10 years ago, they thought we'd never last. Five years ago, they started paying attention. Now, we're right where we belong, in your hand. So enjoy the 15th anniversary and the decade these cigars will deliver. Getting it straight from the horse's mouth. More of our Cigar Master Series, only on The Cigar Dave Show. Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, our Cigar Masters, our guest on our final segment. Alan, I want to talk about some of the great cigars in the Alec Bradley lineup. There's a ton of them. One of the interesting cigars is one you came out with, I think a year ago, year and a half, called the Alec Bradley Project 40. Very kind of clandestine type cigar. Yeah, so there's a, a great story behind Project 40, and that is if you look at what Project 40 represents, what they talk about is pleasure or happiness. And they say that 50% of your happiness is genetic or, or hereditary, and 10% is environmental, but the other 40% you control. And so what we did there was we started, I started thinking about all the, all the different things that kind of bring you to this, this pleasure place or happy place whether it's great food or, or spirits or wine or music. And I felt like cigars should be a part of that. And that was the, the impetus behind Project 40 was to create a cigar that everyone could, you know, could enjoy that had a, a price point that would not create any resistance. And uh, people, you know, we, we packaged it, but we didn't overpackage it. 
and we didn't underpackage it where it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't representative of the line. So we made sure that all the components were ex- exactly where we wanted it. And the cigar has done phenomenal for us. And uh, it, it, it hit a part of our portfolio that we, we you know, didn't have anything there. And um, people have, have embraced it. And it's been yeah. a tremendous success for us. Very pleasant, medium-bodied cigar. One of the cigars that I think is the hidden gem in the Alec Bradley portfolio, the Max. You brought that brand back. It was kind of out of the market for a while. You totally changed it. Great packaging, Nicaraguan wrapper, Costa Rican binder, and a four-country blend. It's beautiful, medium-bodied, just a phenomenal cigar at a great price. I think that is one of the hidden gems, not only in your lineup, but in the cigar industry itself. Thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, you know, Max has been around. Uh, Max was, was our version of coming up with larger engages before it was even popular. We were one of the one of the leaders in coming up with 60 ring gauge cigars many, many years ago. Now it's more of a staple in people's lineup, but it wasn't when we started. And so Max ran its course and always did very well for us. But it, it, the old packaging didn't really represent we, where we were going as a company. So we repackaged it. We made sure the blend was exactly where we wanted it, brought it back to market, and uh, it's been flying ever since. So it just shows sometimes, you know, people buy visually. We understand that. And just by making a bit of a packaging change, the cigar started to kind of just hit its trajectory again. Uh, And we're excited because people like it. The people just love the cigar, and there's a lot of loyalists to to the Max line. The Alec Bradley Mundial you launched uh, right after, I think it was... uh tempest and uh, lost start prensado beautiful stick another wonderful stick that that a very complex cigar medium bodied it means in uh, latin p i believe is uh, time or, or is it world or worldly isn't it mundial yes yeah mundial is world or worldly and uh yeah it's a, it's a, it's interesting because for that that cigar for us um is it, it's one of those cigars where you know it's very elegant elegant in its packaging elegant in its style and it is i think it's a medium plus cigar right bordering just under full bodied it's just it's it's a it's a very satisfying blend and just to hold it in your hand it's a cigar you can be proud of you look at it and it it smokes beautifully so uh and mundial we the only change we made there was we went from 20 count box to a 10 count box and that was it so right. we we love it got a minute left Two cigars I want to hit, the Alec Bradley Connecticut and the Alec Bradley American Classic. Okay. Well, um, so the the Alec Bradley Connecticut is, it's not, you know, a lot of people, they associate Connecticut with something very, very mild or, or, or somewhat flavorless in some respects. And we just couldn't do that. I wouldn't put my name on a cigar that didn't represent who we are, who we are and what we do. And so we have a Connecticut. It's, it's creamy and it's smooth. But it's got flavor. I mean, it's it's not if it's if you're looking for a beginner cigar, this is probably not it. But if you want something that's pleasurable and, and sweet and balanced, but it has flavor, our Connecticut, I think, is the way to go there. And then uh, American Classic uh, and, and its its brother line, American Sun Grown. Those are cigars that we did also at a nice advantageous price point for the consumer. That is uh, just very complete, satisfying cigars. And, and people like to buy them by the box because they're at a good price point. Um, they have a lot of earthiness and a lot of flavor to them. 
And, and again, that's very representative of what our, our, our company does, is that we always talk about quantity of flavor. And so every cigar that we produce in our lineup, we talk about how to get the most quantity of flavor out of the tobaccos. Alan, I hope to see you in the next month down at your headquarters down in Fort Lauderdale. We'll share some of the new cigars, the new Alec and Bradley Kintsugi, plus another Alec Bradley cigar as of yet to be named or yet to be released. The name is yet to be released. We'll get to that. Stay well, Alan. We will talk soon, and we appreciate you joining us on our Cigar Master Series. Thank you for having me, Dave. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Fantastic. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again, again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the Chinese Communist Party. We will talk soon. <laughs>